Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about getting paid as a GM. So for many years, this seemed like a crazy idea. You know, I've being paid, uh, paying my buddy uh, Mikey or Phil to run a game seemed like, why would I want to do this? And for many years, I thought I kept to that idea. I was like, yeah, you know, who's going to pay money to run a game? You know, I had a, a friend who was a game store owner. And I said I was thinking about running my uh, I was running my friends my friends I was running my uh, my son through Pathfinder I was playing Pathfinder with him and he goes oh you should run a Pathfinder game here at 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 the store so I'm like oh okay sure you know because it was a nice big open space it was good to to have a place to go and play because you know it just seemed like better than just going over to somebody's house because it seemed uh, what more people were more likely to go and to hold on to a schedule if it's at an at a place it's at an event and then they would get all excited they would go to seven eleven get their slurpee and candy and then go to this place and start playing so it's pretty neat i didn't know but the owner would charge like two dollars or two dollars and fifty cents to play for a session that money was given to me as store credit for to buy stuff at the store so what would happen after i amassed a certain amount of credit i would ask the kids i go what book do you guys want to play next or use or whatever and so i would buy a couple books using the credit and stuff like that i did this for quite a few years so theoretically i was paid to gm right so i kind of crunched the numbers with uh with how much i was getting paid so i would make between uh, let me see 15 to 25 dollars for four hours of work GMing, which comes out to about four to six dollars an hour. So you know it's not that much money. So so that's not really getting paid to GM. Uh, another another way you could look at it is if you go to a convention. Usually, if you run a game, at least here in the Bay Area, and the conventions cost between forty and sixty dollars, depending on which convention you go to. Wake up, it's between sixty and eighty dollars now, dude. Okay, so fifty to eighty dollars, depending on which convention you go to for the weekend. And so if you run a game, usually the convention will give you a free pass for that weekend. You just have to meet the criteria of right. it being six players for so many players for so many, so many hours. So many hours. So a it's lot a of, math problem. Yes. So usually it, they say, they'll say between 32 and 42 gamer hours or player hours. Which means you have to have six people for six hours or something right. like that. Right. Correct. So in that sense, if you crunch those numbers, if you're running a six-hour game for 50 for fifty to eighty dollars, you're probably making you know like seven to twelve dollars an hour. Okay, I'm gonna tell you this right now. <laughs> well, that was you section. ran. We ran the live action aliens game. Yes, and we spent more money than you ever got for getting people in for free to the convention to help you run that game. I'm telling you right now. Every year we bought T-shirts. We bought the iron-on papers. We made the T-shirts. We made the props. We did all kinds of stuff, and everybody helped us. Right. But we paid for all of it. Right. <clears throat> Your props alone costed like six hundred dollars for us. At, at one time, uh, well, for the okay, you're right. And that so, was a lot of money at that time yes. for 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 me to come up with at right. that time. Well, it wasn't all at once. I don't think it was one <laughs> year. Yes, it was. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about getting paid. But for- you're that's you got us in. You got in what four people for free? Yes, let's say fifty bucks a piece. Yeah, so, so that's uh, two hundred bucks. Yeah, but after that, you know, every year there was there was four of us that got in. So yes, but you also it was also a, it was a big 
it was a big production, yes. right? We had to set everything up, and then you were at it for how many games did you do? Three, two or three a night? Depending on how fast they went, yes, two or three a night. So, I mean, that was it was a, and even when you're ro- doing a regular just role playing game, the the GM puts a lot of work into it. At least all the GMs that I've played with, or the GMs that I know who take the time to go and you know buy frames to put pictures in to make up character sheets all the different things that you put into it you put a lot of time and effort into it right so even if you are getting in for you're 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 doing it you're you know but yeah again you're right you know the amount of money that we get back for the work that we do as a gm either at like i was at at the at the game store or at a convention it is you know you're not gonna quit your day job doing this kind of work but just as an aside all GMs would, they put, I mean, people make their own little cities out of, you know, the, what do you call it? The stuff that you make stuff with. The, Styrofoam? No, no. The terrain. The terrain. And, and you, people buy all this stuff and they make like, I, I've seen, you've told me about a guy who has this whole basement full of stuff that he's been making for, you know, 30 20, years, 30 years yes, right? Yes. So it's not like these people wouldn't want to do this anyway. I see. Yes, you're right. You're right. The idea about this we're talking about is getting paid to be a gm i always thought it was crazy for people to get paid to gm because i didn't think people would people would do it because i didn't think people gamers would pay to to play games so this article not too long ago comes out it's on facebook and some people just outright didn't believe the article some people thought that the person who said who said he was getting paid so the, oh, let me tell you about the article first so the article is, is about this one guy in san francisco you gotta remember san francisco is extremely expensive right on top of that to live on top of that you have people with a lot of money living in san francisco not everybody's making a lot of money but just like here in the in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of people who have really well-paying jobs and can easily afford you know, $100 a night for entertainment, right? If you go to a bar, now I haven't been, me and Julian haven't been in a bar, how many years, Julian? A long time. That's it. It's been 20 years since we actually gone out to bar and drinking and stuff. But if you go out to a bar and have a few drinks and have dinner, you're going to spend easily $100 for yourself. Because drinks are like eight to twelve dollars a piece, if if they're cheap, you know maybe you get lucky and have a happy hour. But you know most time, you know they make their money off the booze, right, off your drink. And then there's food if you want to have food. You spend between fifteen and twenty dollars for a weekend of a uh, night of food. At least. At le- least. And if you, you're a drinker and you drink for you know you're spending let's say you have four drinks, <clears throat> excuse me, at ten dollars a drink. That's 40 bucks. That's 60 bucks. Easily you can spend 100 bucks on a night going out drinking. You go to the movies. That's another, depending on how big you're. My family, I usually, depending if grandma wants to go, if it's a grandma-friendly movie, we take it's four $100. people. It's $100. Easy. At least. Easy, 100 bucks for four of us. You know, it's all relative. And that's for two hours maybe of entertainment, right? Two hours maybe. So this, this article talked about this guy who runs games, and he gets paid between 500 800 $900 a session when he runs games i thought it was that's crazy i thought it was pretty steep you're right it seems kind of steep okay so i was like oh right that sounds like a lot and the people who read the article some of the people read it could leave comments and they were like that's crazy that's ridiculous that that guy's a liar there's no way somebody's gonna pay him that much money to run a game so i was thinking i thought about our friend becky who has been running games and getting paid and, and made a career out of it for 25 plus years you know she lives in oakland but she tied her role playing 
with uh, education. So it was an after-school program, and that kind of expanded uh, quite a bit. And so she was very successful in helping kids who were either having problems in school or weren't getting the subject, getting them interested in going to school. So parents were more than happy to pay you know, money for Becky to help basically help them out. But actually was during going, it was, she was doing it through play. Not only that, all parents are looking for summer camps and stuff for their kids to do. I never, I think that's a excellent way to spend your money. If you're going to, you know, teach your kids stuff. Correct. And so what what she would do is that parents that took their kids to these camps and this after school program, they found that their kids started doing better in school. Because, you know, Becky was a teacher, and so she used role-playing and playing games as a way of teaching kids skills that they would use in school, in class, and theoretically, really, in, in, in their and social they, life, too. Right. Because they were able to, you know, some kids had social problem, socializing problems. And so D&D, or not D&D, but the program she ran helped kids deal with those kind of social situations better. And so the parents obviously realized that, that Becky's uh, work was really well. And by word of mouth... She was able because she was still teaching. She was this. This was just an after-school program that she, you know, she started running, and she realized that she could actually form a business and lead. A, you know, get paid to run games. So obviously, it's possible. Well, obviously, it's possible. When I was looking at the comments about this guy, some people were saying, "Oh, this guy's lying. He doesn't get paid that much." This is a ridiculous article, and people were really negative about it. People are negative about everything, Saul. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And comments on the internet are going to be yes. the most negative that you are going to find. So I read about this article, and then I read about another one. It might have been about the same guy. And so what this guy does is like he has scenery. He has, uh, I don't know if he has costumes, but he takes a lot of time, you know, running, getting together his game, and you know he's it's, he's very professional. He doesn't like he doesn't show up in a t-shirt and and with a a binder full of dice or something i mean a binder yeah a binder and 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 some dice you know he he offers you know he says is a is a is a first class you know a role-playing experience if you look at the demographic of of people who are who are interested in D or have heard of D or want to get back into D because some of these some people we used to play as a kids they left this is you know a, a common thing that happens it seems like people play as a kid and then they get into high school or something or even college and stop playing and then they see a game store they see a book or they see it on big bang theory and they're going oh that used to be fun and they get interested in playing again and so they they're thinking about coming back into the hobby so the, what this guy does is he facilitates that and so and if you got people with a lot of money and people with uh who are really interested in playing and then you you bring you know terrain uh the miniatures and you run custom adventures for these for these people who are paying you know it might you might be able to charge and people might be willing to pay a lot a lot of money to be run through a session or or an adventure role-playing session what do you think so Saul told me about this and I thought, well, okay, you always give me the strangest things to look up and, and think about. I never had heard about people paying to do role-playing games. I knew Becky and I know that it's a totally different thing to me, the idea of, of summer camps for kids or after-school programs. But she also does um, role-playing for adults right? where yeah. they go like they go out camping. camping and she runs a role-playing adventure for them and people pay her money to do this which is really cool and i had never heard of that before until she was telling us about it right and 
but then again, I've also done research on LARPs and stuff, and people pay to do that too. So to go and, and right. camp and do that kind of stuff. And this is just role playing. Right. So I did look up a couple articles, and my basic gist, or the what I, what I took away from it, is that it's a really cool idea that someone should get paid to to do the role playing game. I think Saul's right. The more you put into it, the better people, more people are going to want to do it. But I don't know that you can really make a lot of money at it. Even if you do have a business, I don't think you make a ton of money at it. Oh, no, no. You're right. I mean, Becky, you know, she was able to make a lot of, not a lot of money, but able to make money to be able to live, right? But yeah. she's not rolling in dough. No. Right? But what I read was that, so you have your whole game of, your, your, if you're thinking about doing this, you have a, your group of people, right? Everybody wants to play a game, but nobody wants to be the GM. So the, the idea that you pay somebody to be the GM is an interesting idea, but... If it's your friends, they're probably not going to pay you money to, to right. GM for them. No. If you look at it and people, you sit down with the people that you usually play with, one of the ideas that I read about was that, you know, people don't put a lot of effort into it, right? You're sitting at the table and and you've put out your scenario <laughs> of what's happening and people are on their phones, people aren't paying attention and stuff. But if people actually pay to play the game, yes. then they're going to be more immersed in the game, right? They're going to want to enjoy it more because they've given you five dollars or whatever ten dollars right. to do this and then they're going to expect more from you too that's true it's an interesting concept and i can understand it i know that there are some conventions where you actually pay to play each game yes and but i think that has to do with more not paying the gm but paying for the space i think that's uh, uh here in california or at least here in the bay area the three major cons you pay to get in uh, to the con for, for the, the week whole weekend for the weekend or by the day yeah and you just sign up for games, and and each game is just free. You just sign up. So they factored you... in the pay the payment for the games into it because they don't charge you per game, which is the other the style the that the model, yeah, which is usually what everybody else does across. But the you country. still have to pay to get into the convention, yes, right? Even if yes, you do have to pay for right. per game. So, I but think it's like two dollars or something, right? For two to four dollars, depending on where and what game it is. Like in Gen Con, I heard you buy tickets. You pay these tickets, and it's it's really convoluted, because because I remember Pacificon, old Pacificon, when I first went. This is why I never played a game at Pacificon, is because you'd have to register to play in each game, and to register you had to pay two dollars or dollar two dollars to play in, or a dollar. I forget what it was, and so I was like, and even back then I was like, that's crazy. I'm not gonna pay. And some of these people were terrible, right? They were terrible GMs. And so, you know, not that two dollars or a dollar would break me back then, but I didn't have a lot of money, and and so we go, well, why am I gonna pay somebody else? We just play whenever we want, right? So that's different than here in the Bay Area. But you're right, people do pay. That was but, in the Bay Area. Uh, yeah, that was in the Bay Area, but things have changed since then. You know. So most of the gamers who go to the conventions here would probably be confused <laughs> if they hadn't been to a convention where you well, had to I'm pay sure for they, game. They, I'm sure they. So people have they would read Gen it, Con. of course, and then They've they would know Gen it. Yeah. And stuff like that. So that, that, that works. I think that that would be the only problem I see in getting paid, especially if you're getting paid a lot of money to run games, is is it going to be fun for you if you have to do this, right? Sometimes even when I'm at the home game, comes a day of, and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm just not feeling it. You know, can we can we play a board game instead? You know, and that that's happened very rare, but very few, but a few times. Or somebody else, you know, like, well, that one time the kid was six, right? Yeah. We're like, okay, you know, well, let's let's cancel the let's game. stop now. People throwing up is probably not the way. You don't want to continue. <laughs> so but you always get you always get nervous when you are running a convention game. You get like, 
not nervous. He gets anxious. Like a couple <laughs> hours. I know. Leave him alone a couple hours before he's going to run his game because you can see the the sparks flying off of him. He's all, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do good. I have butterflies in my stomach. And... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is about. Uh, you're right. I do. I do get butterflies. Uh, I don't know. Not appreh- I guess apprehension would be the word. Butterflies. Stage fright is another one. And that's because I really want. I really want to make sure that the people playing my game have fun. And you're not getting paid to do it. So imagine if you were getting paid to do it, you would probably be more nervous. I you would also did get into the convention for free. Convention for free. I have been paid. I got into the convention for free, so I have been paid for my services to a certain extent. Even though that's a paltry amount to get paid, it's still I still find that hey, people are depending upon me to have a good time. So I need to bring my best game. We talked about that in the past. You know how I feel about running games at conventions, and I think it's pretty important to, to, uh, to try to run your best game. So yeah, you're right. Compound that by getting paid a lot more money and being. You really want to make sure that these people have fun because, like Becky, when she first started, it was all about word of mouth. If by word of mouth people say, "Oh man, this guy runs a fantastic game," blah 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 blah. The opposite of that was terrible, right? If somebody says, "Oh yeah, this guy was okay." Now, is people going to pay a lot of money to run, be run by an okay GM? No, you really have to be at the top of your game. You really have. I, I can only see it compounded by 100 if you're somebody's paying 100 bucks to play your game. Well, we did an interview with a guy in Massachusetts who they're putting on a convention right. called Rising Phoenix. The people that put it on are called Dark Phoenix. Right. And they are a team of, of people who actually they make their money doing role-playing events and LARPs, right? And themed birthday parties and yes, LARPs. Right. So they actually have a group of GMs that will go and not, not all of them at once, but they'll, <laughs> they'll infiltrate. There's a, a group of GMs. They do these different things, right? They, they have all the things you're talking about. They have the terrain, they have the costumes. They even they have costumes, LARP. right? Yeah. Yeah. They have LARP things, LARP items. I shouldn't call them things that, you know, to make the, the experience I thought, it was, I thought it was very fascinating when he was talking about that. I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. So basically, it's like an adult theme party. You know, like, you know how kids have Wait, theme don't parties? use the words adult theme party, okay? <laughs> it's a role-playing party or a theme well, party. I was thinking about a theme, a party, theme for, party event. A theme party for kids. You know how, you know, oh, well, we're going to have a Aquaman theme party, right? So so you can dress up as your favorite, you know, or let's say Marvel party. So if you want, the kids can dress up as your favorite Marvel right. character. Okay, so this one I was reading on their website oh. that for their, their themed party events, it says. Um, they offer the themed murder mystery, right? Sounds familiar. Parties or half a dozen, dozen other scenarios. And you just offer the guests and costumes. So you, you know, you wear what you want. You tell yeah. people what to wear. And so just don't use the term adult theme party, okay? Because that's <laughs> a totally different thing. Uh, in your own mind. So what, what I was saying is like if as kids they have theme parties as when you grow up, you can have theme parties, right? For, you know, superheroes. Yes, murder mystery, murder clue, clue. Dress up as your favorite Lord of the Rings character. Oh, yeah. There you go. That'll bring up. Star Wars. Star Trek. Wars. You know, Star Wars is huge, right? People, you know, here in the Bay Area, we have this group of people who... We have a couple of groups, I think, but one of the the biggest one is the is the some legion, right? They dress up as stormtroopers, right? And they have to go through this rigorous uh, making of their costume and stuff to be able to be part of this group. And it's pretty interesting, you know. I forget what the 
the 501st Legion or something like that? I don't know. All I know is at the Comic-Con, I got my picture taken with a stormtrooper. <laughs> so. But they also have the, the bounty hunter group. Have you seen that one? No. Yeah, so they have like the Boba Fett. They, people, they look like Boba Fett. Oh, I've seen they them. They look like Django Fett, and they look like all kinds of different... Uh, we just went to Comic-Con last weekend, so I got to see all of those people. Yes. I don't know cool. if they were that particular or whatever, yes. but they were cosplayers at, in the, at the very least. Or they just were happy dressing up as whatever. That's true. So we would just show up dressed up. So, so not only do the, does this group Dark Phoenix oh, yeah. do themed party events, they do LARP. It's in more of a you know, so it's an immersive live action playing right. game. So you can actually that would be cool. And then they also do role playing <laughs> events where you can have them come and GM for you, which I could see that would be pretty cool. I could do. I, I don't know if I would do a birthday party for Saul like that because he throws his own birthday party with his own thing, but. <laughs> It would be interesting to have a GM that you don't know, that nobody knows, to come in and do it. Yeah. Although, I don't know. I, I can see it both ways, right? You pay the guy. and or if, woman. If you are our group, it's like they're experienced role players, so you don't know what you're going to get, right? When you pay somebody to come in and, right. and do a role-playing game. Maybe they're like the best GM in the world, or they're just mediocre and you don't you don't realize it, right? <laughs> Until and And then... With our group, that would, wouldn't be good because then they would start throwing crazy things at the guy, right? Well, I, like I said, I think Dark Phoenix, you know, they, they definitely... I'm not talking about them. I'm just talking about... Oh, in know, general. In general. Oh, well, you think if people are like, like let's say Dark Phoenix, right? They probably have a... You know, they probably have these scenarios down that they right. do. Like, how, and, what level do you want to be? Right, and all that exactly. Kind of stuff. They, they do that. For lack of a better term, they test out their GMs, right? They know their GMs and how good they are. They don't just send, you know, Joe Schmo out to run your game. They're the people who are, you know, because if you're running this as a, even if it's not your primary business, as it's a secondary business, you can, you know, you want to make sure that people, you want to make sure that people give you a good reputation. Right. Well, and they express themselves as elite GMs or oh. G. So I'm thinking about, here when somebody says that to me <laughs> there there's like a, a group of gms that people want to play with right all the time or but they're also these people that want to play with these other gms are also gms so it's an interesting <laughs> kind of like thing anyway so i know what that what that means right they are experienced they right. have and I, i'm and sure they have they a good tested reputation. out the i'm sure they have tested out their games and stuff like that. so i can see that if, you, if that's your business you want to go into a business like that the other article i read was talking about you may not make a lot of money right? because who knows what's going to happen, right? Are you going to be able to get enough people to do it all the time? Is, right. is the If the economy is in a booming phase and people have lots of money and they want to do that, right. that will happen. If, as, if something happens, then you're going to have all these props and a whole garage full of stuff that right. isn't going to get used because nobody wants to do it. They don't have the money to put right. out. You said the economy is booming. There's a lot more, what do you call that, extra money? Extra money. <laughs> Extra. What do they call it? They uh, call it something income. Something disposable, disposable income. Disposable income. Again, here in the Bay Area, people make a lot of money, but also people have a... It's very expensive to live here too, yeah, so... I have a hard time meeting people, you know, yeah. or or yeah. finding something fun to do that's not going to bars and stuff like that. So, And then, like I said, people want to experience something either that they had heard about or something they saw on television and, and they say, oh, that looks like fun or, you know, or something like that, right? So they're kind of interested in it. And 
they're more than willing to pay to have that experience. I think that people are willing to pay for a lot of stuff so that you could make a lot of money at it. I think that some people could. Obviously, you know, different groups of people could do that. But it would be putting in a lot of effort and money on yes. your part and or gambling. Time, a lot of time. And gambling on actually making money on it. Right. I don't think anybody is quitting their day job right away. Obviously, people can. can yes. Know, at least... You know, be able to make enough money to survive and and do okay. But I've uh, given you two. We've given you two examples. Dark Phoenix is that with their job or is I that have like no part time? Yeah, see that's. And another thing is, is that a lot of things are probably done on the weekend. So it it might be like a second income, or it might be just a hobby that produces income that they'd like doing, right? So like people say, well, I'm pretty good at GMing, and people really like my games, so. I have a pretty good reputation for running games because this this happens at at conventions, right? You go to conventions, and there's some games that don't get enough people, right, to play in. There's some there, at conventions. The thing is, is that if you play in a game with where you do like the GM, then you're gonna go want to play in another one of his games right. or her games. Right. But if you play in a game and the GM is stoned or something like that, <laughs> and or doesn't is not prepared, things that have happened to my friends then you're not going to want to go back and play with that gm right. and you're going to tell people don't play with that gm not that extreme okay. but some gms are, or some people don't may not be that good or they're just learning or whatever what i was going to say is that like if you go to conventions there's some gms whose games always fill no matter what a certain gm runs a game okay. always fills up their game so there's like doc cross who runs the the tune the tune and he's been running it for what he said 30 years, 30 years yeah, at yes. Dundracon, and that's always going to be filled up, right? Right. Cause, and he runs at like 10 people. Yeah. Right. Or table, more. Or more. He he makes extra characters, and sometimes he just makes them up on the spot, yeah. I'm sure. Well, so. Tune is real slapstick crazy. But you're right. There's also, so there's GMs like that people know, and their games always fill up. And then there's other games that you look, when the games come out that they've been shuffled or whatever you want to call it, there's still empty seats. Whether, it, whether it's the game, people are not really interested in that genre at that convention, or they don't know the GM very well. Some games don't have enough people to play. That's that's not fun. And that's something I always worry about. Like, oh, how am I going to have enough people to play my game? So that that's what I'm talking about. Which never that, happens. What, and they always worry. On the other end, there's people who, no matter what game they run, no matter what genre, they always have more than enough people. More people want to play that that can fit in the game. A lot of people who run games at conventions who have a really good reputation. And so those kind of GMs, if they wanted to try to run games for, for money with people that don't normally play games, they probably might be sort of successful. In- I don't know about people that don't normally play games, but within the gaming community, yeah. I mean, people pay to go and do magic at the game stores. That's true. And they pay to, you know, do to, stuff. To be at, in tournaments. Yeah, term- to be in tournaments and stuff. I mean, at some game stores, I'm sure you do have to pay to play because... Well, if you go... A lot of game stores, when you play Adventures League and stuff, mm-hmm. they'll charge you like two dollars to play, yeah, two or four dollars to play. It's not that I don't think that you're going to make a lot of money unless you have a, a group together of elite GMs that are going to be able to do this, right. right? You're not you yourself. You would get burned out if you were doing it by yourself. Yeah, I yeah. Think. I think you know. I think as a secondary income, you could probably do it. You know, on the weekend or once a week or once a month or twice a month. But for like, uh, like your day job. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, yeah I mean, and and do I really want my my entertainment to become my my job? You know what I mean. That's another thing. Right? Yeah, that's a whole other topic. I don't that's... think I would want that. Although I don't know, who knows? Well, what they say is if you if you find a job you love, you won't work a day of your life or something like that. Um, there is a saying like that. Yes. <laughs> so it's just a thought. If you want to do it, go for it. Yes. It 
sounds like a lot of work to me <laughs> and maybe not a lot of pay. So you right. might not want to quit your day job Yeah. until you really get into it. But it's possible, I think, if you're in the right situation, the right place. So I don't know if it's good or bad, but you might as well try if you want. And even if you're not getting paid for it, go run games because people need you to. Yes, and have a lot of fun. Yes. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline. And you have a good day.